we have a language that the world doesn't understand. We, we say things like, I'm praying a hedge around you. And I'd mentioned last week, I don't want a hedge. I want a fortress with snipers and anti-aircraft missile, and I want as much protection. I mean, a hedge, what's a hedge? A hedge is nothing. You can take it down with a chainsaw. I want something massive. I'm praying a hedge around you. Or I'm going to lay a fleece out about that. And so for the believer, if you're speaking to someone in the Christian culture and you say, tell me about when you got saved, we know what we're talking about. We know what that word means. We know exactly what we're talking about. But the unsaved world doesn't understand that. And so we're really looking at what it means, that word saved means. And last week we answered the question why we needed to be saved and who can save us. The word saved used throughout the New Testament is the Greek word sozo. And it means to rescue from danger. Now as a believer, when we use the word saved, we are talking about being rescued from sin and its eternal judgment. We are talking about being rescued from death and hell and the wrath of God that we sit under the moment we are born. The biblical truth is every person who has ever lived needs to be saved because every person who has ever lived is guilty and is facing the judgment and wrath of God. And there's nothing we could have done to, to avoid that. There's nothing we could do in our own strength, no matter how good we are or how strong we are. And that's a, a common thing in Christianity. People think, oh, well, I know Jesus did it all, but what we like to do is we like to add to salvation. Well, Jesus died on the cross for me, and I go to a good church that makes me saved. No, no, it's not in, you with Jesus in anything. It's Jesus only. And all of us needed to be saved. We need to be saved, we saw last week, because we are dead in our sins. We are born dead to God. And that's something we can't really get our, our, our mind around. That's something especially the unsaved world doesn't understand because you tell them you need to be saved because you're dead. And they're like, I'm not dead. I'm breathing. My heart's pumping. I've got life. I'm living. I'm not dead. But we were spiritually dead before God, condemned to hell. So we, we need to be saved because we were, were born dead to God, alienated from God, separated from God. We saw last week we need to be saved because we are disobedient in our walk. Because we are dead, we do what we desire and disobey the word of God. We need to be saved because we are dominated by the flesh, the world, and the devil. As a dead man, spiritually dead, you do what you want to do. It doesn't matter what God wants you to do. What your flesh has to do, we do it. And our world is really, even, even in Christian cultures, our world is just getting to the point where we think, hey, if you, you want to do what you want to do that makes you happy, go ahead and do it. Whatever you want to do that makes you feel good and brings you joy, you do it, and that's okay. And that's what the unsaved world does. They do what they want to do. They please their flesh. They are dominated by their flesh. And we saw we need to be saved because we are doomed without God. There is no way for us to save ourselves. Without God, we are helpless and we are hopeless. We cannot make ourselves alive. We cannot make ourselves obey. We cannot make ourselves resist the flesh and the devil. Without God, we are doomed to hell forever. Everyone here this morning needs to be saved. And we saw last week why. But we also saw who can save us. We could not 
and cannot save ourselves. So God, in his love and his mercy, sent Jesus to do for us what we could not do. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died a death that was meant for us. He took the full wrath of God on him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying to God, oh God, let this cup pass before me, he knew that when he was hung on the cross that the sins of humanity would be placed on him. And God, because he is holy, had to punish sin. So he knew that God would pour his wrath upon him and for a brief period he would be separated from God. And so he took the full wrath of God on our account, and he died on the cross a death that we were supposed to die, but he didn't stay dead, amen? Three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that God had accepted his sacrifice as payment for our sins. He did that to save us, and all we have to do is put our faith and our trust in him. If you were here last week, and God spoke to your heart about salvation, but you did not get saved, don't do that again. Don't leave here thinking, I'll take care of that next week. You may not have next week. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You can walk out of here this, mo this morning and never come back because you slip into eternity. If God's pulling on your heartstrings, deal with God today. The only thing that matters, you know, don't leave here thinking that you're okay because you're a church member or you're a good person or you've done this or that or your parents were Christians or you're a Christian. The only thing that matters is what have you done with Jesus. So last week we saw why do we need to be saved and who can save us. This week we're going to answer the question, what does it mean to be saved? Every human that has ever lived Every human that is living right now and every human that will ever live needs to be saved. But what does it mean once we are saved? Well, look in your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse number 4. So remember, last week we saw the first three verses. We were dead in sins. We were disobedient in our walk. We were do do dominated by the flesh, the world, the devil. We were doomed to hell. And then verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us. That word quickened means resurrected or re-given new life. So he has brought us back to life. We were dead in sins, but he gave us life. So even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, Ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. The word but can be one of the greatest words in the English language. It's a conjunction. And it's a conjunction that contrasts to statements. It contrasts what is said before it and what is said next. It tells you that those two statements, the one before and the one after, are completely opposite. For example, Virginia Tech beat Duke in basketball this year, but they still stink and will never win a championship. See how I did that? Here's one thing about them, but the truth is they're still terrible. So it contrasts, I'm sorry, JT and Ilona, it contrasts these two statements. 
And that's what Paul is doing here. He just spent the first three verses telling us, what, telling these believers why they needed to be saved. Because remember, he's not talking to lost folk here. He's talking to believers, people who have put their faith and trust in Christ, and he's reminding them. And look, it amazes me that Paul, in this time period, these are people who, most of them, or they had the opportunity to see Jesus Christ. They were alive when he was on the earth. They could have seen him do miracles. They could have seen him hung on the cross. They could have seen Jesus in his resurrected body. Paul did, and Paul has to remind them why they need to be saved because they're, they're kind of getting, getting, getting weak in their faith. And I think, man, us 2,000 years later who have never seen Jesus face to face, how much more do we need to be reminded why we need to be saved so we can get a passion for what God did for us? And so Paul just spent three verses telling them why they needed to be saved. They were dead. They were disobedient. They were dominated. They were doomed. But God gave them new life. But God did for them what they could not do for themselves. That's how they were. But God decided to do this. God saved us and God provided for us. One theologian said this, said that the but God calls attention to the striking contrast between that which follows and the preceding verses. Having described the precondition, the pre-Christian condition of me, Paul proceeds to set forth the new Christian position. So Paul just said, this is what you were. You were dead, you were doomed, you were dominated, you, were, you had no hope, but God came in and this is what you are now. And so Paul gives us four benefits of being saved, four things that salvation means to us. Here's the first one. Because we are saved, number one, we are greatly loved. We are greatly loved. Look at verse four. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. As a child of God, you are loved by God unconditionally. That's incredible to me. There is nothing I could do to earn God's love. So that means there's nothing I can do to lose God's love. And look, we as humans, we're fickle people. We fall in and out of love with, with things and people, all kinds of stuff. All the time we think, oh, man, I love this now, and then you hate it later. And we just we have all these different emotions, and we, we're not really passionate about love. But God said, there's nothing you did to earn my love, so there's nothing you can do to lose my love. God loves you unconditionally. He loves you eternally. You know, here's a biblical, this is, I can't even wrap it. Before you were ever born, before your parents were born, before your grandparents were born, before your great-grandparents, before God ever said, let there be anything, God loved you. And God will love you a million years after the world's been made new. God will love you for all of eternity. He has always loved you, and he always will love you. And God loves you willfully. See, God chose to love you. You know, God didn't fall in love with you. You know, so we talk in our culture, our, our society, our humanity, we, think, you know, we have the, the concept of love at first sight. Your eyes meet across a crowded room. It's like, oh, I love her. And you just, you fall instantly up and you, you learn to, see, God didn't see you and think, oh, they're so lovely. Because when God saw you, he saw your righteousness as filthy rags. 
God saw you and saw you in dirty, miry clay. God looked at you and said, man, that is gross, but I choose to love them. You are greatly loved. Being loved by God means we are given God's mercy. We are given God's grace. We are given God's patience. We are given God's protection. We are given God's provision. And being loved by God means it brings us security. Because being loved by God means we can never not be loved by God. We have a need to be loved, and God fulfills that need. He loves us even when we don't deserve it and even when we don't ask for it. And here's the thing. When someone loves you, you get special treatment from that person, right? Y'all understand that? My wife gets special treatment from me because I love her. She gets treatment from me. Ain't nobody else going to get. Why? Because I love her. I get special treatment from her because she loves me. And God says because he loves us, he's going to give us special treatment. Remember what Jesus said? He says, he says, you as evil fathers, you know how to give good gifts to your sons and daughters. How much more will God give to you? Why? Because he loves us. We are greatly loved by God. That means when I need help, God is there because he loves me. When I need grace, God is there because he loves me. God loved us so much that he determined to love me before I was ever born, before the world was ever created. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be whole and without blame before him in love. That phrase, before him in love, means out of his love. Out of his love, he chose to love us. Out of his love, he chose to save us. Before God said, let there be anything, he loved us us. Being saved means you are greatly loved. But being saved, number two, it means we are made alive in Christ. Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, bless you, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved. Remember, we were dead. We were walking around, breathing, living, heart beating, air pumping out of our lungs, living life, but we were dead. We were spiritual corpses with no hope to do anything different, but God, because he loved us, has given us life. No matter how much God loved us, though, he couldn't just make us alive. He couldn't say, well, they're dead, I'm going to make them alive. That would, that would mean, that would violate his justice and his righteousness. Why? Because we were dead because of sin. We were dead. Remember J, J, uh, the story of Adam and Eve in creation. God gave them all of creation. They were naked and unashamed. He gave them everything. Hey, y'all enjoy life. Enjoy each other. Enjoy fellowship with me. It's going to be incredible. Do anything you want to do. Just don't eat that fruit. Because the day you do, you're going to die. They ate that fruit and they didn't drop dead. But they spiritually died. And then the Bible says in Romans that all men have dead because all, all men have sinned because death passed upon all men for all have sinned because of Adam through one man. So we were born spiritually dead. And God couldn't just look at us and say, well, I don't want them dead, so I'm going to make them alive again because we were dead because of our sin. So to be made alive, he had to judge our sin. He had to pour the wrath on our sin. Otherwise, it would have violated his righteousness. So God, the Bible says, made us alive together with Christ. Paul is telling the Ephesian Christians what they were. They were sinners 
and what God did for them, he provided salvation through his love, through his grace, through his mercy, through his sacrifice. We are made alive in Christ. We could never make ourselves alive. That's why Paul says we are made alive in Christ or through Christ. Through his death, we have life. Through his sacrifice, we're reconciled to God. If you are here today, and if you don't know you've been raised with Christ, the Bible tells us how we can. Let me tell you how you can. First, you need to understand that Jesus did all the work of salvation for you. When Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, he meant, I've done all the work needed to be done for humanity to receive salvation. He didn't do most of the work and leave some to you. He didn't do 99% of the work and leave 1% to you. He did everything that needed to be done for salvation to be available to mankind. He did it all. There's nothing you can do and nothing you need to do to earn your salvation. Jesus did everything that needed to be done. He came as a man. He lived a perfectly sinless life. He died on the cross a sinner's death. He bore the penalty of sin for the entire world. He took the full wrath of God on him. And as proof of that payment was satisfactory to God, he raised from the dead. And now the Bible says he is seated at the right hand of God. Christ died for the entire world, for all humanity's sins. That it doesn't mean, but just because Jesus died for your sins, doesn't mean that you're saved. He did the work. But just because he did the work, doesn't mean you're, you're saved. Look, even believing that Jesus Christ came, that he died and will and just, that he died and rose will not save you. Bible says the devils believe, but they tremble. You must believe that Jesus did all the work because of his love for you to pay your sin, but you must trust in that finished work. You have to accept his gift of salvation. You have to understand that he did everything for you and put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's talking about here. The Ephesian Christians had done this. And Paul is telling them that when they did, they were dead. But because they accepted Christ's gift of salvation, they were made alive in Christ. What does it mean to be saved? It means you're greatly loved. What does it mean to be saved? It means that you are made alive in Christ. What does it mean to be saved? It means we are raised with Christ. Look at verse number 6. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ. You see, being raised up and being made alive are two totally different concepts. See, God raised us up together with Christ. That means we have a new life. Doesn't mean that we're, I don't mean that we're made alive. We saw that. But it means that we have a new life. We are made new. You know what that means? That means as a new person, I don't have to act the way I used to act. I don't have to do the things I used to do. See, why? Because I was saved, I was dominated by the flesh. I was dominated by the world. I was dominated by the devil. I did what I did because I had no other choice. I sinned because I was a sinner. But now I've got a new life. The Spirit of God now lives inside of me. That means I don't have to do those things I used to do. Now, most of us still do. Doesn't mean you're sinless. Look, if any of you here think, man, I got saved and I've never sinned again. Well, you just lied. That's a sin. We're going to struggle with temptation the rest of our lives. We're going to struggle with sin. But it means we don't have to. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus, he, whenever we're tempted, 
He made a way of escape so that we wouldn't have to sin. You know what that means? Whenever, after salvation, when you sin, because you're going to. Because I'm going to. All the time. This morning, I'll bet a bunch of times. I know, I know I had to, that's why I had to, I had to get it back and say, God, I've got to get right with you because I'm frustrated now. So I had to get right with God. Why? Because I'd sin. Say, preacher, you sin? Yeah. Why? Because I'm human. I'm flesh. I'm no better than you. I'm no different than you. We're still going to, but the thing is, after salvation, when we sin, it's a choice we made because we don't have to anymore. We can't obey the Spirit. God always gives us a way of escape. So when we sin, it's not because, well, God, I didn't have any other way. No, God said, I gave you a way not to sin. You chose to avoid it. You chose to do what you wanted to do. So once we're saved, we don't have to live that way. We have a new life. You don't have to behave the way you used to. You don't have to chase the same old things. We don't have to be controlled by the same old sins. We have a new life, a fresh start, a brand new beginning. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Look, every one of us here have something in our life we wish we could do over. We have something we could have a, wish we could have a second chance at. Mistakes that we've made that we'd like to make right. Paul is saying, you can. You've been raised to new life. The old mistakes are gone. The old habits are done away with. You don't have to be enslaved to them anymore. The old has gone. The new has come. You've been liberated. You've been raised and made new in Christ. But not only that, Paul says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That means we are royalty. You were born dead to God, an enemy to God, a slave to sin, but when you got saved, you became alive in Christ. You had a new life, and you became a child of the King of Kings. In fact, we are the children of the one and only God. What a privileged position that we have. What an incredible title to be called the child of God. God took an undeserving, unworthy, sinful enemy and gave them a new life as one of his precious chosen children. What does it mean to be saved? It means you're greatly loved. It means that you are raised together with Christ. It means that you have a new life. And fourthly, it means we are secure in our future. Look at verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. This is an incredible promise for believers. God's grace is so great that once you are saved, there is nothing, nothing that can separate you from God. God promises to bring his own into heaven. God says, I will not lose any of my sheep. How many of y'all have trouble losing things? You all have trouble? You lose your wallet, lose your keys. I used to lose my wallet all the time. And so, I mean, one time, I finally got so bad. We were at Smith Mountain Lake. This was several years ago. We were at Smith Mountain Lake on vacation. We had a boat, and I jumped in the water. We parked, in the, and I jumped, and we swam around for a while and got out, and then went to the, uh, a little restaurant. We you know, boated to a little restaurant to get some food, and we ordered, and I went to reach for my wallet, and my wallet was at the bottom of the lake because I lost it. No, look, I never lose my phone, but I always lost my wallet. So what did I do? I got a wallet case that my phone could, so I could have my phone and wallet at the same time. However, the phone comes out of the wallet case, and so now I still keep losing my wallet all the time. We lose things. Jesus said, hey, I will never lose any of mine. He said in John 6, 39. 
And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose none, but should raise it up again in the last day. The Bible tells us that Jesus, once you're saved, he's never going to lose you. It tells us that once you're saved, nothing can take you out of his hand. John 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As a believer in Christ, we have a secure home in heaven. That is our future. That is God's promise. So before we were lost, we were dead, we were doomed, we had no security, but after we're saved, we are secure in Christ, in his love, in his grace, in his mercy, and we know no matter what happens on earth, we will have a home in heaven one day. This verse also gives us a glimpse about what heaven will be like. Look at it again. <clears throat> that in the ages to come, that's, just, that's the future, that's heaven. He might show his exceeding riches and his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He said, hey, in the ages to come, he's going to show you his riches and grace and mercy. Look, I don't know about y'all, but I've already seen God's grace and mercy in my life more than I could ever imagine. But Paul says, you ain't seen nothing yet. You think God's good to you now? You just wait. When you get to heaven, you're going to see the full scale of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and God's riches. It will be an eternity of experiencing the exceeding riches of God and his grace and his kindness. If God didn't spare his only son for mortal sinners like us, we can't imagine what he has in store for us in heaven. If you think he's shown us grace and mercy in hell... Just wait until you see in heaven. One theologian said this. He said, take all of your fondest memories, mix them with your wildest dreams, put them together with the most beautiful places on earth, add in the most enjoyable people you know uh, to be around, and if you can imagine such an event, you have not even come close to understanding what God is preparing for those who love him. Our future is secure when God shows, because God's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. These verses tell us what it means for us to be saved. If you're saved, you are greatly loved by God the Father. If you're saved, you've been given a new life. We are raised together with Christ, and we are secure in our future. But those things are only for believers. Those contrasts, we were dead but now God gave us a new life. We were destined to hell, but God seated us in heaven. We were poor and wretched, but God gave us riches and honor. We were helpless, but God did all of it through Jesus Christ. Christ, our Savior, by his death on the cross, proclaims liberty to the captives so that all of us may be set free. So if you're here this morning and you've not accepted Christ as your Savior, those things don't apply to you but they can. They are available today just by putting your faith and trust in him. All you need to do is trust Jesus' finished work on the cross as payment for your sins, and there's nothing more to do. For the believer today, we need to start using what we have. Christ didn't die just to give us heaven. He came to save you, to love you, to give you new life, 
to raise you together with Christ and to secure your future. Let's thank God for what he's given us through salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.